Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, dear listener, and welcome to another episode of Everyone is Hot, the podcast that talks about your favorite stealth sex symbols and the film or TV show that turned you on to them. I'm Michael Stevens. And I'm Shelly Brooks. Now, Michael, we've got like a pretty great guest this week, do we not? Oh my God, I'm so freaking excited. I don't know how you got this guest, Shelly. This is crazy. I didn't know about your connections to the industry, but we have a super cool guest, a poet, podcaster, editor, and not the director of Avatar Part 2, The Way of Water, The Water, Jamie Cameron. Oh my God. Yes, Holy shit. I, well, Where are thank the kids? you so much. Oh, clap, kids. Oh. There we go. Okay. There they are. We just had to wake them up. Sometimes the kids are uh. a little bit slow. Ah. <laughs> uh. It, it's such an honor to be honest. Thank you to those. I mean, the, the school children, I guess, that are uh, clapping me. Yeah, yeah. Nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they love you. They love you, Jamie. Oh my God! Thank you so much for being on. Oh my oh. God, we we are so excited to have you here. It, it is an honor, and and thanks to you guys, I suppose, for shouting out Avatar too, because um, I know you said Jamie Cameron. James Cameron is technically my name, and it, I've I've had a bit that's been ongoing for since I was probably ten years old. Um, and it was in, there's a thing in the UK called the 11 plus, which is an exam everyone has to do at, at, right. at about 10 years old. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting in this exam hall and this invigilator walked past me at the end of the exam and he saw my name tag, I suppose, which said James Cameron. And he just goes kind of, oh, wow, you know, it's a real pleasure to meet you. I really loved your work and, on T2. And I was like 10 years old. I was like, what the God. fuck is T2? Like, what, what is this? Um, <laughs> and then since then... Every now, you know, every now and again, while well, people will, will kind of make the connection, I'll just say, "Yeah, my mom loved Titanic, and she was just like, fuck, like I'm just going to name him after not Leo or like Jack or anything like that. I'm going to name him James after <laughs> uh, you know, obviously with the surname James Cameron. So yeah, I'm I'm kind of, I suppose it means I have no career potential in in Hollywood things. There's already one of me, but yeah, there you go. That's perfect. Oh my mm. gosh. And so, okay, who is your stealth sex symbol? And what movie are we going to talk about today? So my stealth sex symbol is Michael Stuhlbarg in The Coen Brothers, A Serious um, Man. Yes. Oh, Oh my God. I'm so excited to talk about this one because this is one of my very, very favorite movie crushes. This is, ugh. 
Yeah, I mean, it's. I think not only for the this movie has so much. One is a movie. I think it's as we were saying off mic earlier. Actually, probably my favorite Coen Brothers movie. Mm-hmm. It might be top three my favorite movies ever. And then Michael Stuhlbach's performance on top of that, he almost managed to kind of outshadow outshadow the Coen Brothers work. And if you're doing that in a Coen Brothers film, then you're, you're putting on a serious performance. So. Yeah. Michael, if if people haven't seen this movie, could you tell the listeners what the movie is about? Absolutely. Larry Gopnik, a Midwestern physics teacher, watches his life unravel over, over multiple sudden incidents. Though seeking meaning and answers amidst his turmoils, he seems to keep sinking. Oh my God. This is a really wild IMDb summary because <laughs> I we, we pull these from IMDb and oh, really? sometimes they are. And I read them cold. <laughs> I mean, I suppose it's it's accurate to an extent, but it's kind of, yeah, I mean, it, how to like suck the soul out of a movie by reading yes. the. Like, <laughs> Most exactly. of these movies, though, it's, it's, it's hard to come up with these, I guess. Um, yeah, that's true. I, is IMBD your go-to? Because I, I, I feel like this is a real topic of debate. If you do, you go to Rotten Tomatoes, or do you go to IMBD, or do you go to Letterbox? Because I feel like Rotten Tomatoes has this terrible reputation amongst like really kind of arty film people. Is it like mm. all it does is aggregate critics, you know, positive <laughs> or negative rating? This is this is not accurate. Yeah, but the look on your face, Shelley, I, I feel like that is going to be the case. Yeah, we we tend to go to IMDb just I think okay. out of ease but i mean like, i think it's I don't fun know, like i i i think it's it, fun it's, yeah it is fun like hearing how it's like, like the grocery kind of, store like, you know completely unhinged like some of the, <laughs> the synopses are like i mean i don't know like jamie do you think that like you what what would be your synopsis of this movie god that i mean that really is this is going to be kind of working on this cold i would say laurie gopnik as you you know midwestern physics teacher i'm fine with that bit Life unravels. Maybe I'd make some reference to kind of Job. It's kind of biblical in that way. His yes. wife leaves him. Everything goes wrong. You know, he's he's in debt. He has a uh, I'm even a, a brother who's in trouble with the law. Essentially, in the kind of Coen Brothers way, everything that could possibly go wrong is going wrong to this man, and it's about how he responds to that. And I think I would definitely have some mention of of. Um, his faith in there as well i feel like the whole the jewish community is kind of an essential part of this mm-hmm. film as well but i don't know maybe we should maybe we should eat our hat a bit you know writing these synopses is not actually as easy as it looks so yeah exactly i mean like i i guess i would maybe say it's like the job story like reset to like yeah. the jewish community like in the middle of the 20th century america but like it's it's hard to like yeah get the entire thing like in in one like brief synopsis because like it, um, it is like a very broad story i mean do you even mention the prologue which is yeah like, yeah yeah which yeah. is amazing but you know obviously what's so great about it is that it's not they don't make a massive effort to explain away what's happening there which i which yeah. i like but i mean yeah. in the synopsis do you mention that what's the kind of policy on prologues and and these things but yeah it's it's i think a lot is going on beyond uh, simple synopsis in this in this movie for sure well speaking of the prologue so uh you know before we like get into the main conversation we like to get like a little a little loose a little uh slicked up and we do that with uh the sexy trivia game which will uh get into the prologue so uh uh, yeah michael could you tell us what the sexy trivia game is 
It's all about getting the listeners slick for some movie chatting with movie trivia. I'll uh, get us started. Michael Stolberg, my namesake, originally auditioned for the role of Stettohusband in the prologue. He was at a disadvantage with other actors considered for this part due to not being fluent in Yiddish. Bad boy, gotta learn your Yiddish. But through this audition, through his audition, the Cohen brothers became interested in him for Larry. Wow, what a reversal mm. of luck. That is can so I, can I, I, am I allowed to break the full fall? If I know I won't, yeah. I won't. So yeah, you absolutely can. That's totally it. fine. Yeah. No, 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 no. I, I'm just, I'm going to, fuck it. If I don't go into it, I never will, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm also not going to attempt an American accent because I know how judgmental Shelley is with British actors. So she really is. Anyone, but if you tried, yeah. I would love you forever. Um, okay. Well, you do the kind of noir thing. Maybe I can try that, but that is tough. Uh, yeah. oh, in fact, no, I'll go. I'll go for a kind of like uh, Pride and Prejudice. Um, oh my god. Kind of stiff up a bit, British guy. Perfect. Do it. Do it. Right. Right. <laughs> how did it look, say? <laughs> Yelena Schmelinson. Alan Lewis Rickman, who played the Shetler husband and Shetler wife in the movie, a real life husband and wife as well, and don't oh. we really know it from their vicious, vicious chemistry? Oh my God! Ooh. I love marriage. <laughs> oh, marriage is hot. <laughs> mm, the nuclear family. Ooh. Oh God! Benefits. We love long-term oh. relationships. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, Those tax God. breaks. Mm. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was, it was inconsistent, but I went for it anyway. I think, no, you, it I think you did it. Beautiful. Beautiful. Come on. All right. Number Bring us C. home. Feiverschwinkel, the actor in his late 80s, who plays the elderly Treitele Goschkauer, accused of being a dibuk in the Yiddish language scene of the film, started his acting career at nine years old. Playing child roles in the Yiddish theater industry that once thrived in the Lower East Side. Uh, of why is it? Why isn't New York still like that? Why isn't it? it back in the day, little uh, a little tidbit for everyone. It mm -hmm. used to be that uh, back in the day, one fourth of people in New York spoke Yiddish. Amazing. And that's one, one, why, as in a quarter, did you say? A quarter of people spoke Yiddish, and that's why you can see movies with James Cagney, famously Irish, speaking Yiddish. <laughs> wow. <laughs> there is there is a, a long history of at least Italians and, and Jewish people playing each other in movies. It's like, I mean, yep. James Kahn in fucking The Godfather. I mean, but, come you on. Know, yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, no, and I, not to brag, but I have some family members who are big in the Yiddish film industry. Ooh. <laughs> what? Why have they not been on the podcast yet? Because <laughs> they are deceased. <laughs> oh. <laughs> they can't be that big in the industry these days. <laughs> the industry did not last very long, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> Oh my gosh! But so, Jamie, so when did you first see this movie? Um, it's one of those ones where I can't actually remember the first the first time. I think um, when I was about sixteen or seventeen, as with I think a lot of 
teenage boys, uh, maybe particularly in the UK, or maybe I'd say probably worldwide, actually, yeah, whenever anyone has access to weed, yeah, you start <laughs> watching uh, The Big Lebowski, right? Yep. That yeah, is, That is the thing that everyone fucking does. Yeah. Um, and I think after watching The Big Lebowski, and honestly, I had a friend who was so into it that it actually kind of pissed me off. So I, I went into it you know, thinking, like, oh, man, I'm going to hate this because I just this wanted this guy garbage. to be wrong. Yeah, <laughs> um, and obviously I loved it, and I think from there I started. The Coen Brothers were the first filmmakers where I thought, you know, these films are actually existing in the context of a whole filmography. Mm. You know, this these are people making more than just one movie, and before then it was just kind of like, do I like this movie or not? Yeah. So and I think after that I started going through. Maybe No Country for Old Men was uh, next. At some point along the line, I got to A Serious Man, and it really was Michael Stuhlbarg's performance that. Mm just drew me in and i think having rewatched it maybe god knows how many times 10 15 times since then he is always the thing that keeps me keeps me coming back to it and i think where the dude in the big lebowski is kind of it has this stoner kind of california aesthetic right i think yeah. as a as a, a brit as you guys might say i always relate more to the east coast american uh sensibility nice and even though this is set in obviously the midwest like yeah michael Stuhlberg is he is a new york theater actor and i think you can feel that in his performance and i think i can relate to it more strongly than the kind of you know dude where's my rug type yeah. uh, type thing you know <laughs> um so that was my way in yeah i mean so like when you originally watched the movie like was was he like your point of entry or like, did you, I don't know. Yeah. Like, oh, is it something that like you originally like glommed onto like the work that he did in that, or was it something that you've come to like, as you've gotten older? Well, I think I, when I saw him, I was like, wow, I've never seen, you know, an existential crisis be represented quite as relatably one, but also as endearingly as he does in this, in this movie. You know, I, I kind of simultaneously wanted him to be my dad. Um, yeah. I also wanted to give him a big hug. Um, but then I was like, why is he not, why are directors not casting him as the lead in, in more Hollywood movies? This is yeah. the thing I think that then I expanded to after you know, having watched this movie a couple of times and then read about it a bit more widely. I was like, how is Michael Stuhlberg getting, okay, it's essentially now, even now, he is a character actor, I suppose. And he's, you know, appearing in Call Me By Your Name as the dad and having that speech and... Um, I mean, it's in fucking Shape of Water, which I think is a horrific film. But um, oh, my heart! <laughs> oh, really? Are you? Are you oh, well, I'm dead. I'm sorry, but oh, oh my god, I, I. You don't I'm like it when she joy. when she fucks that fish man? Oh. Yeah, that's probably the bit. That's probably the bit I like best. Has that appeared oh. on this film on this podcast? It, 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 I feel like it. It has not, though. Um, <laughs> we have not talked about name? it. Um, Dwayne Jones is he the the guy who plays the the fish oh Doug man? Jones yes yes Doug yes, Jones. yes 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 yeah which I I mean I adore him I mean I I'm meh on the that mm. movie but like... oh, I mean if you look at the, that year and the fact that it because it won Best Picture right yeah um, I don't want to do the re-legislate the Oscars as much as as fun as it is but yeah in hindsight yikes is all I'm gonna yeah, say right, yeah um, I, I agree <laughs> but I think you know the point being that in Michael Stuhlberg in that is what I think he's like some kind of bit part scientist mm -hmm. and I find yeah. it mystifying that a guy that is so has what I think is more conventionally handsome than people are letting on especially yeah. in a serious man I mean what were his wardrobe I would love to dress how he dresses he's his glasses beautiful. his eye his hair I'm like he you're is, divorcing him you're yeah, leaving I, him I know I exactly um just so I, you know like oh. <laughs> I I really 
yeah, it, it, it confuses me that there haven't been more opportunities for him to play these kind of, okay, not quite leading man because he's not fucking mm-hmm. Tom Cruise and I'm, I'm glad about it. Um, he's too far too human for that. But I would like to see him get some more opportunities. So that, that was my, you know, my second thought after really getting into the film is why are more people not using Michael Stuhlbarg to his full potential? Oh, I, I, I so agree. And I love you talking about like his hair. Cause like something that when I was rewatching it now, I was like, I, I've always found him very attractive in this movie, but something about his like receding hairline, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. he, he looks like a man, you know, he like, does. He looks like a, a guy, like who's lived and like, that is very, very attractive. I is mean, that I, how people feel? about receding hairlines these days. <laughs> I, Michael, I think so. I think yeah. so. <laughs> I am breaking my neck every day to make sure I'm perfectly bald like The Rock. And I could have just been walking around with a receding hairline. I could have taken it easy the past 10 years. I think the, the, other, the other angle is that it's the receding hairline and the way he has his hair. And he's also... An academic, and there's something about him oh, in front I love of the him. chalkboard oh, doing yeah. the physics, yeah. where it's like, oh, that that is. I think that it's like he's a man, but he's an intellectual. Yeah, and I think that that is what's really kind of grabbing everyone when 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 you watch it. I think. Oh, it's perfect. And so, like, have you seen him in like other other projects that like you found him attractive as well, or like was it just like a serious man that like really caught you? Well, I think the other bit, it's kind of depressing to say this, but his other big role, I suppose, is, is probably Call Me By Your Name, right? In yeah. terms of how many well, people have seen Boardwalk it. Empire. Yeah. Oh, of course, true. Yeah, and TV as well. Um, yeah. But I think the funny thing about his appearance in Call Me By Your Name, uh, and besides the fact that he is the only bit of it that is kind of really that's aged uh, well. Well, yep. yeah. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> and, yeah, I don't mean really to go into that, but I will, I will. Can I take one shot at uh, Timothy Chalamet as well, please? Please. Please. <laughs> How bad does he come across in that Wonka trailer? That What's the Yo, line he says? Where he's like, who is like, this? Who around, is turn this it around. What? Oh my, who is it for? It, I, it made me sick to my stomach watching it? that fucking trailer. You were saying I read... it's about Lil, Lil Timmy T. Lil Timmy <laughs> T. Lil Timmy T. <laughs> it's your boy. Miss Lockton. Miss uh-huh. Lockton. Miss he's, Someone... he's, the, he's the cringiest guy in Hollywood right now, I'd say, by Truly. far. So, oh my... yeah. I keep reading this fucking thing that the Wonka director saw his like little high school rapping vi- video where he's like, hey, it's your boy, Bababababoo. <laughs> and he was like, that's my Willy Wonka. That's oh, the Willy God. Wonka that we got to have. <laughs> the- As if, I mean, because him him and now Johnny Depp, two of my least favorite actors oh, of my man. lifetime, have both played, are both going to be playing Wonka, which is which is a shame because Gene Wilder, who is kind of my lookalike in a way, yeah. is such a, is yeah. such a king. He's probably like a foot so, like shorter than you. <laughs> yeah, he's Look, probably a bit shorter than me. But... We're 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 on t- a tangent right now, and yeah, we, we gotta we gotta go we gotta go down this river, um, because yeah. uh, we keep casting the wrong fucking guy as Willy Wonka. <laughs> it's like nobody read the fucking book. Like, yeah. Look, after nine eleven, who, right who, who, who do we who do we cast? Because I, I don't know if I I think it's a tough one, but German on white. Yes, now that is a great shout. That's a great shout. I'm. I come on. I mean, although do you know, is he, is he, is he done too much of the kind of I'm a bit weird? 
um, things at this point. Yeah. I, I just think that like so many like young actors right now, like they seem so young and like, yes, I, I don't like, like Gene Wilder felt like an adult, like, like Zendaya, like Timothy Chalamet, they all feel so young and I, I don't buy them as grown up people, you know? I mean, I don't want to do a kind of, you know, wild cultural um, criticism leap, but I kind of, there's definitely something in the pubescent adult appearance of film styles right now that I think is weird and TikTok-y and it's I don't know. I, I just find strange. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, um, can't, I can't watch like Sydney Sweeney in a movie because I'm like, she, no. she looks like a child. Like I, she, yeah. I want someone who looks like they are a grown up person. Like, and sometimes yeah. like, you know, I watch like 90s movies or like 80s movies and I'm like, okay, they all look like they are adult people. And yeah. I, I just don't know like what young stars can like pull that off right now, you know? Yeah, I think you're right. And I think even, you know, back in the 90s, someone like Leo, he obviously he had the boyish thing. But yeah. once once you get back, like past Catch Me If You Can and you get to some of the mid 2000s, like in The Departed or, or yeah. any of those kind of films, he is a man. And like he, yeah. and, he, and, he and he pulls it off and imagining timothy timothy doing that like whatever timmy t whatever we're calling him just <laughs> not gonna happen um but the, the point being that in michael Silverberg, in call me by your name he <laughs> is the the best part of that movie by far and also it's, oh. it's weird just the extent to which i can't remember anything about what the the mother in that film yeah. uh so i'm that, i mean I'm, that character is kind of completely irrelevant which is yeah oh, which i, I, I really disagree like i love the oh really film. Oh, oh fair yeah because i i think that like what really appealed to me about the movie is that like i think the michael Stuhlbarg and the the mother which like you know this is like a shame that like i can't remember yeah i was thinking that my fault as well yeah but but i I, I felt like the most sort of like interesting part of the movie was their relationship because like Mm. it, it it was so like in interesting and complicated because like obviously they had like an open relationship he was clearly like bi and mm. yeah i mean and yeah i i, I feel like they're oh yeah uh, amira kassar uh michael has just sent over mm. um but yeah i i think that like i yeah even seeing it like when i was like you know in my mid 20s like i i was still was like most attracted to the parent couple because i was mm. like this is like a very sort of like complex but but very loving relationship in in a way that like you know that you're seeing the younger couple through like the naivete of like timothee chalamet's like character you know yeah I, I think i think you're absolutely right and i think that the writing in that scene, I think, is the best written scene in that film. And then, obviously, the acting with Michael Stuhlberg, I think, is the yeah. best you see in that film, too. And then, to relate it back to this wider conversation about his career, it, I wonder, is it a bit depressing that, as great as he is in that scene, if he just does those type of scenes, like he, t- he turns up in movies and like just acts the, you know, off the screen for, yeah. for five minutes, and that's just his career, mm. is that sad is that an under is that him being underutilized or is that just he's one of those actors and that is what it is i don't know i yeah i I don't know either because i i think that also i mean like it's a it's a very interesting question i think like in the context of you know right now like when like this 
the SAG strike is going on. Mm. Um, and, and I think that like the industry in the UK is a bit different. I mean, I think that there is a, a, a bit more um, union power in the UK. And I think that there is like a bit more um, support for career artists. Yeah. Um, and it, it's very difficult in the U S just because I mean, there, there is so little support, like in, in terms of like social services for, for artists here. And I, it, it seems like it's much more sustainable to like be a like character actor in the UK than it is like in the U S. So, yeah, I mean, I, you, you're, you're an artist. And so, I mean, like you obviously know more than we do about like what yeah like in the uk right now i mean unfortunately my genre is kind of like has absolutely no financial imperative whatsoever <laughs> which yeah. for better or worse like i'm freed by those questions but um i mean it's funny i heard something on the, another podcast i think the big picture the, the movie podcast about how in new york it's quite common to you know watch an episode of law and order see a character actor and then go out walk down into manhattan and then see that they're starring in richard the third or whatever yeah you know one night and then they're also on law and order the next and you know everyone's got to work but yeah. That seems yeah. to be quite an American actor um, phenomena that they have these people who are doing Shakespeare at night and then on Law and Order and then it's yeah. just trying to get all these parts in because that's the only way you yeah. can live. Yeah, I mean, Michael, you might be able to like speak to this a little bit because I mean, you you are also a performer and a comedian and like I, I mean, you've been you know working for years like you know balancing like having a you know a nine to five and oh also my god, being a creative. Oh, so, god. Yeah, I, I went about it the wrong way. Um, <laughs> I, I definitely went about it the wrong way. I was like, let me do alternative comedy and work a nine to five. Um, and <laughs> the thing that I realized is like, oh, when they like buy you for a nine to five, like in corporate America, you are <laughs> that's like they it's a Faustian pact. I, mean, I, I feel I feel very lucky that my my day job, my nine to five is working with in a magazine within the kind of within the literary world which i enjoy but oh, that rules. even then you know you you spend that time and then you get home and when it comes to your own work you are just so emotionally and and mm. kind of physically exhausted that you can't really pursue it but i mean i don't want to turn this into a kind of uk versus the us thing completely but you know you guys get what like a week's holiday contracted in a year or something like a fuck like that so so, so the answer to the original question is that Michael Slubog should move to the UK and try and make it as like a you know yeah. a, a UK UK well, actor. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd like to see it. So, do you remember your first like TV movie crush? Yeah, so I, I had to in, in preparation for this podcast go back and and think about all the the various crushes I've had over the years and try and work out what the first one was or at least the most substantial. And what I ended up with. Um, is a TV movie, I think it's about a four hour long TV movie, I had no idea where it was first broadcast, called Dinotopia, which is a, and if anyone has heard it, I've heard of it, who's listening to the podcast, fucking tweet me, Instagram me, and let's, you know, form a friendship. But um, it was starring Wentworth Miller, and um, again, the guy from Smallville, who I can't remember the name of, I need to look up at some point. And they crash land on a plane in this deserted island somewhere. And then it turns out the island is inhabited both by dinosaurs and humans who live peacefully together. And Wentworth Miller's character and um, an actress called Katie Carr, um, who is now not uh, acting anymore. And it's actually a screenwriter. I'd looked this up on, on Google and 
about two hours stalking her uh, the other day. <laughs> her their romance was like a real seminal moment for my kind of in terms of my sexual awakening. Um, and weirdly, I used to watch this um, show with my sister, and I think we've talked about it about uh, a couple of years ago, and you know, fifteen years on, and we were like, "Wow, we were both watching that show like in love with these two people, weren't we?" And she was like, "Yeah, I had a, had a similar experience, which is kind of weird." But um, <laughs> so that would be my yeah my kind of first awakening, and it made me looking back, it, it made me think about a couple of things. One, those kind of TV movies. I mean, obviously, we have the advent of streaming or whatever, and there's all yeah. kinds of content flying about. Yep. But four hour long TV movies called Dying a Fucking Topia. Those are not getting made anymore, and what? we, bring we it. are the worst for it. Please bring, bring it back. Please bring it back, and I, I will, I'll send you guys some, some, some clips from it uh, after, after this. It is the the special effects are terrible, but it's just that so much heart, and Yo. it's and it, and it's so long as well that you know I used to have a VHS of it that went over four different VHSs. So that was that was kind of I think my first movie crush was really me shipping uh, those two. Um, Holy shit. But yeah, that that was uh, that was, and really going back to discover this was a uh, was a significant moment I think in my life. So I thank you guys for uh, you know prompting that through your podcast. Thank you for um, bringing it up. Um, seriously, this yeah. is the this is the kind of shit I lived for yeah. back in two thousand two. Topia came out. I've not actually googled it. Two thousand two. This is an ABC ABC production. Um, oh, it's ABC. Wow. Yeah, I I went down the wormhole because when you said it, I was trans I was transported to my living room, <laughs> and uh, wow, performed by the London Symphony Orchestra. Apparently, that's just wonderful oh. stuff. Yeah. A lot of people doing a lot. These are good jobs. Like that's all I yeah. see <laughs> is wow. They finally they put that together. Like, and guess who the villain is as well? David Thewlis. He played. He, he is incredible in it. He is. If I'm honest, he's far too good for it. Like he, it's almost awkward how much better he is than everyone else. But <laughs> he, he, he plays the villain, and it, it, he is amazing. And that was definitely my first exposure to him, um, who is, of course, a, a feature of on of this podcast as, as uh, yeah, uh, yeah, episode like as well. This is a Geraldine <laughs> Chaplin's in this. Oh my god! The ca- the cast is all over the fucking place. Yeah, uh, like yeah, it's it's a weird one. It's a weird one. But I I urge um yeah everyone to to go back and and uh and watch it jim jim carter's in it the the english actor who's he was in yeah. downton abbey and all kinds of other stuff jim Car- oh yes yes i love um, Downton abbey oh so God. that would probably that would probably be my first moment but i mean i'm almost wish i'd picked that but um you know i love michael solak as well so you know god i mean That's fantastic it, we, I, we, we, we can always do another episode right so yeah, we uh, gotta exactly. revisit we got to revisit the wonderful world of Disney because they had a lot of good ass uh, TV movies. Um, yeah. God. Mm. And Mm-mm-mm. how did your your like you know crushes on like actors like develop from from you know Dinotopia to to a serious fan? <laughs> yeah, fucking hell. I mean, I, how how do I possibly track the uh, the development from from those from from between those two places? I don't. I, I, I think I mentioned this earlier as well off mic, but there, there was obviously some awful generic stuff in the middle and like everyone, you know, I'm, uh, I, despite the fact that I'm on this podcast, you know, a lot of my crushes are as kind of basic as can be um, <laughs> on the screen. So, but I know that this podcast is not about centering those. How did I get between the two? I'm, I'm, I honestly don't think I could answer that question. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it was certainly a journey, um, yeah. you know, so that, that's all I can say really. 
Yeah, but as as you've gotten older, have you found that your your taste has like changed over time? Like, you know, now that you you're a grown man. Like, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> yeah. I think it's it, it's probably changed in relation to what can I what I can appreciate about a piece of uh, like art and, and and then that's kind of mirrored the development of my uh, uh taste otherwise because as I was saying, you know, with with Dinotopia, it, it, I love it, but it's you know it's obviously trash. Um, yeah, yeah. But very very great trash. Whereas a serious man and, and Michael Stuhlbach's performance is, I think, seriously good. Um, so I think I guess and, and maybe other guests have, have noticed this as well. I think as you grow older, right, your your development of your taste in terms of the movies and TV you like, and how when that becomes more sophisticated, it kind of mirrors your crushes as well and it's weird to say that you can have a sophisticated taste in sexual taste or whatever that would mean but you know I think there is something to it you know like that as you know as you get older get maybe more refined if you want to put it that way yeah your taste develops and then you know it's not just about oh god look you know who look at who that is it's Angelina Jolie or Leonardo DiCaprio it's wow that is you know there's something that you you pick up on the the softer and um I think more interesting qualities of a of an actor or a performer yeah. or um you know whoever else yeah i mean like mm. you know not to gas you up too much but you are a very talented poet and so thank like, you very much so is there something that like draws you in like artistically like in terms of like who you find attractive um when you're you know watching actors or writers or performers or or you know whatever like any sort of artist yeah, that's a good question. I mean, in connection to this, I mean, when me and Shelley studied together um, on our masters, and one, I remember I did a, I managed to shoehorn in one of my kind of assignments to be on a serious man, in relation to how the dialogue um, is kind of evoking ancient Greek um, uh, verse verse theatre or something like that, and. Obviously, I think a large part of that essay was absolute bollocks, and I think it was marked accordingly. But um, <laughs> there, there, there is something to the dialogue and the way it's performed in this movie that is, you know, all those scenes with with Clive, or even when you know they meet Cy Abelman, or the moments where there's this kind of repetition of of his brother in the bathroom scene, like, out in a minute or whatever. <laughs> there's this kind of circular quality to the way that di- the dialogue works that I think is almost metrical, and essentially, you know, I I talked to, I talked about that for. Um, 10,000 words or whatever um but to, to get back to your point I think that the my kind of interest in poetry which I do in reality I think is kind of quite siloed like I I rarely watch a film and then think you know that's getting at like a poetic essence so I think poetry is such a particular thing in how it's constructed and and what it is that it obviously there's crossover but it, it kind of exists as its own thing in my mind but I do love performances from from actors who I think are aware of the fact that words aren't just, um, you know, uh, um, denoting meaning, they actually have a, a rhythmic and kind of um, quality to them as well. And I think Michael Stolberg is the king of this when he did all of his lines. He's so aware of it's not just, you know, his physical performance, but it's about how the words sound. And obviously the Coen brothers themselves and how they write, they are really masters. And they are definitely the kind of uh, filmmakers and writers who are, um, into and aware of the history of language in that way, so I think yeah, watching Michael Stuhlberg, um it relates back really to that kind of this you know he's the hot intellectual type, and I think the fact that he can pull you know he delivers the lines in the way he does just adds to that as well. You know, adds to the uh, the glasses and the the widow's peak and the hair and the <laughs> the, the the whole look. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. Absolutely. So, I mean, Michael, like, okay, we love to do this thing as we're like, you know, kind of wrapping up the episode of like mm. talking about what we would like to do as like a double feature um, with the movie that we're talking about. Michael, do you have one that you have in mind? You, you better you better say Dinotopia. That's all that. If you don't say Dinotopia I mean, now, Michael, then I'm going to be heartbroken. Uh, Dinotopia yeah. is, is probably what I'm what I am actually going to rewatch next, um, for for sure. Um, but watching this one, I was taken back to when I first watched uh, Magnolia. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. So that's probably the one that I would uh, recommend. Um, the other one would be The Incredible Shrinking Man, which is about a guy that passes through a radioactive mist and shrinks to the size of a small boy. It's a 1950s uh, B movie, and it is uh, Dinotopia level. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, I love that. Yeah, that, yeah. That is, that's incredible. I, I, PTA seems like the that kind of director who would love to work with Michael Stuhlbarg. That that would be, he could he would fit right into Magnolia as one of the kind of oh absolutely one of the, like Philip Seymour Hoffman's part in that he could have done that. Yes, one of the yeah. only people who might have been able to do that as well. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, Oof. that would be so good. Wait, so okay, Jamie, what would you? Oh, is it my turn now? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I haven't I haven't thought about this ahead of time, so this is going to be improvisation. I mean, I could be boring. There's there's any number of Coen Brothers films that you could watch alongside this that I yeah. think would work very well. I, that's what I'm most curious about. Mm. Like, what would you recommend for someone who is like, I just want to watch uh, like five uh, Coen Brothers movies right now? <laughs> I think there's a couple that I think work interestingly with this. With um, this one, yes. Yeah. The, the, the Big Lebowski, as I said earlier, in the sense that it is one of, you know, the Michael Stuhlbarg's character is defined by Larry Gopnik is defined by inaction, right? He's always saying, you know, "I didn't do anything." The dude yeah. is this kind of, you know, um, Zen level um, g- character of just complete inactivity and never and just letting things happen to him, complete passivity. <laughs> so w- those two work very well together. True Grit, I think, could be interesting to watch Ooh, alongside yeah. it. Um, I think any of the kind of um, more serious Coen Brothers comedies. So you know, obviously they have their yeah their their kind of real outright you know hail Caesar level comedies, which I love. But they, I think, are speaking a bit less to this film than their comedies that have a real human human touch to them too. Mm-hmm. Um, so any of those ones, I think, would work well. I have to go through all their. In fact, I'm, I'm I'm almost tempted to to go through their filmography. Shelley, what what would be your double feature? Oh gosh, it's it's so hard. But I mean, I I feel like I yeah I was like trying to think about like the the passiveness of like the Larry character and like, I, yeah, I, I, I thought about that a little bit. And I also thought about like, just like the sort of like Jobian, Mm. like, uh, you know, biblical like feeling of the movie. And so like, I think in, in that sense, I, would maybe have to go with like another Coen Brothers movie and like think about Inside Lewin Davis. Now you said the Jobian thing like that. Yeah, that, uh, that, that's what I was gonna say. That like yeah. I think Inside Lewin Davis, like that, like this guy who was just like completely like constantly like uh, beleaguered by like fate. You know. Are you, are you guys Oscar Isaac stands, or you think he's become a bit overexposed? Then I'm I, glad he's getting work. 
<laughs> I love him. I'm yeah. sorry. He's so he's so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, he, he really is. He, he kind so of good. saved June from the the clutches of how bad uh, Timmy T is in it. Um, yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah what's your number one, uh, Michael? Uh, probably Fargo. Um, yeah, Fargo would be my number one. Blood Simple would be my number two. Mm-hmm. Ooh, and yes. I'm one. I'm really liking a serious man. Um, a bunch so that might bump uh oh brother where art thou well speaking of so okay we've got a little game to finish us out uh and i think it's gonna be neck and neck because it sounds like you both know a lot about the coen brothers oh i'm pooping all over the bed for in this one (laughs) um (laughs) quotes yeah yeah. (laughs) this is gonna be tough but i think you know Michael seems to be underplaying his chances as a yeah. as a, as yeah, a coping I think, mechanism. I think Michael's like being like a little a little too. It's very it's very <laughs> British, in fact, and I. I'm, That's I'm, my I'm... entire shtick is underplaying <laughs> myself. Have no expectations. Um, yeah. Come, welcome to the UK. You can start claiming benefits immediately. Oh, can't wait. <laughs> yeah, you, you will rule there. <laughs> okay, so this game is the uh, Cohen quote quiz and so i will read a quote from a coen brothers movie and you have to tell me what movie it's from so uh buzz in with uh your name okay okay yeah all right so start Mm. with number one is going to be two lines because it was too good to cut one of the lines out so the first character says, I couldn't really see. He wasn't circumcised. And then the second character says, Was he funny looking apart from that? Jamie. Oh. I mean, it's, it's got to be Fargo, isn't it? Got it. It's, it's got to be Fargo. Fargo. I mean, the, the accent was doing a lot of work the, to help yeah. me. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I was going to ask you, <laughs> Shelly, you have to do this in the voice of the characters. Like, <laughs> Listen, I'm going to be doing the voice. Beam, the beam that motherfucker home, uh, okay? I cannot wait for your Anton Chigurh impression. I can't. Later. I can't. I can't wait. <laughs> okay, number two. I'll show you the life of the mind. Oh, what is that? The life of the mind. Uh, hmm. uh, sweaty, big guy. Oh, uh, Jamie. Oh. Jamie. Is it not um, John Goodman in Inside Lewin Davis when he's in the back of the car? Mm, oh, uh, I, 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 I fucked it. John Goodman, but. Oh, what's in... it? Oh, I was in. Um... No, 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 brother, we're out now. No. 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 <laughs> what, what, what is it? Think about a movie that is kind of about um, an American playwright in the mid 20th century. Oh. I'm not gonna get this one. I haven't seen this one. This is the one I know I didn't see. Uh, it's it's uh... okay. He's in the hallway. Is it black and white? No, it's in color. He's in the hallway. There's fire behind him. I'll tell you about the life of the mind. Oh, oh we are we are shitting the bed. Yeah, yeah, we're shitting the bed. There's a way possible. I'm, all over I'm the bed. Sorry. You're shitting the bed on this one. This was Barton Fink. Barton Fink. Yeah. Okay, fine. It's it the one Barton that I knew Fink, I haven't seen. Babies. I know yeah. I haven't seen this one. 
The I playwright know. one, we sh- yeah, we should have. The playwright yeah. one, yeah. come yeah. on. Yeah. The no, Clark I thought this movie. If I haven't seen, seen... so go on, Michael. No, if I haven't, if I haven't seen, if I know I haven't seen it, I'm not eligible to even say the answer. That those are the but rules. You, but I you could have. But you could have. Not, I could not, have. In a way, it's almost more insulting that you didn't. But <laughs> no, it it's it wouldn't have been just. And it, everyone, everyone who listens to this podcast knows I'm a big fan of of justice. What is what is right? Okay. What is wrong? Fair enough. Um, I mean, yeah. okay, I respect that. Right. Well, it's yeah. what's it? Is it what's the score then? One. I mean, I feel like I should no. lose a point for that. So nil, nil, nil. That's my version of justice. Yeah, yeah, let's make it zero to zero. Zero to zero. (laughs) How kind. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so number three. All right, this one. This is a a less popular one, but one that has been uh, referenced by Jamie. So, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to give you a big hint with the voice. Big hint. Okay. All right. You told me you're going to bring a smile to the hips of everyone in America. I'm gonna guess. Michael. You, can... uh, you know what? Jamie, can I buzz Jamie. in? Jamie, Jamie this buzz is a guess, so I also feel like this is going to be quite unjust. And I'm basing this on what I mentioned and the what you and the quote and what you said. Is it Hail Caesar? No? Okay, no. I'm, I'm going to be my guess. Inside Lewin okay. Davis? Who, who in a, in a <laughs> 90s movie with the Coen brothers talked like a 30 star? And she is a, a, a character actress that we love. And she uh, got cheated on by... Oh, it's... Big, it's oh, sorry, you can go on. <laughs> no, I probably don't have it. I'm just gonna guess something, and if it's wrong, let's 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 get me the support I need. Okay, uh, is first, this I... is this the? I haven't seen this one either. Hudsucker Proxy. Yes, it yeah. is. Okay, I haven't seen. Yes, I, ha- I have not seen it. this one. Uh, don't congratulate me. It is a me. second tier uh, <laughs> yeah. Brothers movie, but it is a true delight. <laughs> oh God! Uh, yeah, no, is... I, I, I bottled that one. That's my. That's that's my bad. That's Sorry, okay. You, Mark, for you know up. what? I'm actually not okay, going to accept a point for this one. Because um, you haven't seen it. I have Michael, seen it as well, Michael. so I've got the excuse. You you know, should, yeah, you, you should claim the point. Let me let me loan you my point. You can give it back to me later. What what kind of interest rate are we talking? Ugh, like 5%. Mm-hmm. All right, that's reasonable. Right. One, hey, one nil. Hey. Yeah. We've not paid <laughs> ourselves in glory I, so I far. I cannot keep track of like... <laughs> What what the numbers are here in Look, terms of our points? I'm in I'm in the numbers game, so <laughs> I, I keep track of the points. <laughs> Don't worry, they're all up here. <laughs> all right. I'm glad someone's keeping track. They're, they're Shelley, my are, temples. You can't you can't win the game if you don't know how much points you got. Okay, that's <laughs> okay. that's one. So it's, it's, so it's one nil to Michael. Yes. Slash one all if you can yes. if you count the loan. Yeah. So we're going in football English. It's one nil in the in the in the derby, yeah. <laughs> okay. Michael Michael four. and Jamie are drawing. Yeah, sorry, bro. <laughs> number four. Okay. Edwina's uh-huh. insides were a rocky place where my seed could find no purchase. Oh. Hmm. Huh? Uh so this is raising Arizona. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Okay. <laughs> beautiful, okay. beautiful. All right. We're and getting number back. Number five. Is this the final one? This is the final one. 
But and okay, this... so I've already lost. So I'm playing for pride at this point. Yeah, no. At this point, we're just like doing it for for the kicks. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, the listeners at home are also playing, and they're like, "Fuck, I got that one! I got yeah. that one!" <laughs> yeah, they they are going to be judging us hard, right? Uh the trick is. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go on. Go on. <laughs> Don't meet your audience. Yeah. Sorry. Go on. Number five. This is a censored version of okay. the line that was played on TV. This oh is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. Mm. This is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. A censored version. Can you exp- censored how? So this was that used to have. Curse oh, I see. Oh, okay. And oh, we love to censor it things. On TV. Are we not supposed to swear? Because I feel like I've been swearing quite consistently over this no, episode. We, so apologies. We, we don't swear, censor the show. I see. But on okay. American TV, you can't swear. So oh wow! I didn't know that. Of, uh, Isn't that dumb? The oh. original yeah. line. It's. It was. This is what you happen when you find a stranger in the Alps. In a, a, a movie well, that was referenced earlier in this episode. Well, then I feel like that's led me up uh, the wrong track before, so I'm not sure if I can. <laughs> I, I, my confidence is shattered at this point. Um, <laughs> so, just to clarify, it, you will, I'll only understand this line if I've seen it on American TV or in the context of the film. The line is censored. Yeah. Well, so what? What do? You, <laughs> what is a famous line from a Coen Brothers movie that could? potentially be redubbed as this is what happens when you find a stranger in the alps oh oh when you okay yeah when you fuck us okay i see fuck a stranger in the ass which is yeah yeah, oh god jesus christ that took us longer than it should have (laughs) um which is um from fucking uh big lebowski obviously yeah yes it is holy shit holy shit when you find a stranger in the alps yeah. Is that really so, what they? Oh, American the TV is, 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 is so what stupid. When someone, you fuck a stranger in the ass. Someone should go to prison. American TV. It is. This is what happens when you find All right. a stranger in the Alps. I. This, this, this is what he's like. Fucking beating the shit, shitting on the yes, car with the fucking baseball. Can you give me a dramatic reading? God. This is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. Oh my God. I'm going to find the person who rewrote that for a telecast. And I'm going to, uh, I'm going to take their stuff. I'm going to take their stuff. I'm going to take. So is, mm. Does this happen often? Like, so there are redubbed lines, which are not just like bleeped out. They're redubbed with weird, illogical, absurd kind of batshit. Unfortunately, very common. <laughs> Stranger in the Alps. So, for like, what? For like, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of another equivalent. But if it's like, if you're watching a movie about, about like the civil yeah. rights movement, and someone's like, "All right, I don't like any of you goofy guys," you know, like, <laughs> you know, is it really? Is it really like that? Yeah. Oh, it's well, what's the Christ. thing from Die Hard Two where he uh, has the sign that says like "I hate inwards," and and it says like "I hate everyone." Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> they even they, they even did like the the t shirt. Yeah, oh. they just said I hate everyone. And God, it like, nah. doesn't really capture the. the yeah. No, it changes the oh. whole movie. You're watching yeah. something yeah, else entirely. Yeah, literally, American TV is very dumb. <laughs> we uh, we love oh, to destroy things on television. I mean, <laughs> we love to like not have any context for anything. <laughs> 
it, it's also, I think, a large part why, uh, and we, you know, we're really hitting all the big topics now. But why I think Graham Norton is so much better as a as a chat show than any of the American ones is because, uh, yeah, people come on and can just be like, "Fuck you," or you know, Matt Damon gets pissed and like just starts <laughs> drinking wine and like swearing at people, and that's like. Obviously, that's very entertaining. And then, meanwhile, you've got you know whoever fucking Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Fallon, and <laughs> et al. Yeah, um, we're gonna sing some songs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. anyway, this has oh. been so fun. Oh my god, <laughs> this has been like such a fucking blast. Like, I love oh this. God. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, and, like, thank you. Where where can people follow you, and what do you have coming up that people can look out for? Um, well, we have the London Magazine podcast. London Magazine is a literary journal, technically the oldest literary journal in the world, or at least we'd like to say that. Um, so follow us on Instagram, on Twitter. We have, as I said, the podcast. We do interviews with uh, writers, authors, poets, playwrights. Um, they're, I'd say they're less kind of uh, uh, wild as, as this one has been, um, but I would like to have more of this energy in those interviews. So maybe I can try and transport that over. Um, equally, um, I'm sure my Twitter will be posted on your guys socials yeah. if you want to if you're one of those in, you know crazy people who enjoys reading poetry then um you can follow my poetry there as well um and i think that i mean i, I feel it's such a, i have this page full of like really deep notes about what's the meaning behind a serious man what does the prologue mean and uh, i've not thing. had a chance to say anything but who cares <laughs> it's okay it's i i do the same thing every time and i realize like oh shit you know what wait it that's that's not what people are here for. Yeah, but I'm, I'm never gonna, I'm never going to get back that hours research I did on what a dibuk is, you know, from the prologue. Like that that's just gone. Like all my all my research on Yiddish folklore is just out the window. But you know, what can we do? Shit. Well, we sh- mm, that's that's good stuff. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Seriously. Part, part, uh, I mean, maybe an hour was over over uh, statement, but no. Um, I, these, these notes are like fucking you know Zack Snyder uh, cut level uh, <laughs> level stuff. Um, anyway well michael where Uh, can people find us and what should the listeners do uh y'all can find us on all socials at everyone is hot pod that's every number one is hot pod uh look rate us on five on all your wherever you can listen to us rate us five stars uh you will uh not regret it uh but you will (laughs) if it's anything less than that and uh remember (laughs) to always stay Horny. Oh, I'm kind of. Hey, horny. (laughs) I missed my cue. I missed my cue. You did good. You did good.